Thank you, John, for your leadership this morning. <coughs> yes, we, over the next weeks, we'll be continuing our look at <coughs> 1 Corinthians, which was so ably introduced to us by Josh, and um, some fairly tricky kind of passages in here. <laughs> so be interesting to see where the Lord takes us. We trust that he will. That's the wonderful thing about God's word, isn't it? <clears throat> it's, it's not so much about the, the messenger, but the message. Now, what I'd like you to do at the outset, if you'd like, you could turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. And, and let 1 Corinthians chapter 5 sit with you there. I'd like us uh, to close our eyes and be, if you like, in the moment of these verses that don't come from 1 Corinthians 5. However, a kind of a positioning prayer, if you like. The first one is from John 17 on the eve of Jesus' crucifixion he prays these words to his father so let's, let's uh, close our eyes so that we can I sometimes, don't, I can sometimes like to close my eyes when somebody's reading the word it helps me focus on, uh, on the word on the eve of his crucifixion Jesus prayed to his father I have given them your word And the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I I have sent them into the world and for their sake I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. From Romans 12.2 And do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Wow. Powerful verses, aren't they? And that whole idea of being in the world but not of the world. I've entitled this morning's message Going Too Far and it'll spill over into next week. Going Too Far. The Christian faith, being a follower of Jesus, is is extreme. It is extreme. It's extreme in love. It's extreme in forgiveness. It's extreme in, in righteousness. The word of God sets a high bar for life, don't you know? <laughs> and there are exclusive claims in Christianity that make our life pretty difficult out there when we try to come alongside people and and be inclusive and and journey with them and build relationship, yet we come with a fairly exclusive 
message. Is that oxymoronic? Fairly exclusive? Very exclusive? Absolutely exclusive message? Example, Jesus Christ himself. I guess most of the the kind of exclusive claims in Christianity surround Jesus Christ himself. The word of God says that he is the only mediator between us and God. Jesus Christ. Aren't there, as is commonly felt within our world, many paths to God, many paths to, to nirvana, many paths to fulfilment, spiritual fulfilment, whatever we understand God to be? If the word of God says, well, actually Jesus is the only mediator between God and us. So that makes things tricky. And then, of course, you, you have Jesus himself saying to the disciples once again in, in, on the night before his crucifixion, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Well, thanks a lot, Jesus. You know, that can make it pretty hard for us when we want to come alongside friends of other faiths, other worldviews. How do we come with such a tough message but that is our journey. That is what makes being a follower of Jesus so unique. Followers of Jesus, we say, and as indicated by those scriptures that we've read, to be in the world but not of the world. And when we take our eyes off the Lord, there the line between in and off or of starts to blur. Was that moment um, of flirtation being in the world or of the world? Uh, Was that moment of compromise just being part of everyday life, you know? Or was it somehow, uh, or is it actually... um, helping in our witness with the Lord. I'm I'm using the iPad this morning. I'm I'm using the iPad this morning just for a change and it doesn't, yeah, well it doesn't normally switch off but this morning it's switching off on me so there you go. Don't you love it? Life was a much easier thing when all we needed to do was bring our hymn book and our Bible and as we said, a pump organ in the corner and, and even the Lord deigned to bless us with his presence. There are times, and it can happen momentarily and it can happen kind of more permanently in that we journey far from God, there are times when we cross over. That blurred line between being in and of, we cross over. We become, can become more of the world than actually simply being in the world. Have you ever heard your parents say, uh, you've gone too far, you have gone too far, this time you have overstepped the mark? Well, in grappling with how to be in the world but not of the world, the Corinthian church had gone too far. They had overstepped the mark on many things. So if you go to uh, 1 Corinthians 5, and let's, uh, let's read the first few verses here. 
it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, Paul talking to the Corinthian church, and of a kind that does not even occur among pagans. A man has his father's wife and you, the Corinthian church, are proud. Shouldn't you rather have been filled with grief and have put out of your fellowship the man who did this? Even though I am not physically present, I am with you in spirit and I have already passed judgement on the one who did this, just as if I were present. When you are assembled in the name of our Lord Jesus and I am with you in spirit and the power of our Lord Jesus is present, hand this man over to Satan so that the sinful nature may be destroyed and his spirit saved on the day of the Lord. Very strong words. Very strong words. The Corinthian church had gone too far with pride. They look at us, look at me, look at me. <laughs> they, were, they were feeling they were so gifted. They were feeling that they were so wonderful in the things of God. They were feeling that they were so cool and relevant to their highly uh, sexualized, secular culture, this pagan culture that they were living in in Corinth. Corinth already had a reputation, a big reputation right down to their religious observances involving temple prostitution and all kinds of things. And, and so for the Corinthian church, they kind of feeling that they were getting pretty cool here. <laughs> you know, see how relevant we are? We can put up with this guy engaged in, we don't know whether, we, I guess people, my scholars would believe that if, if Paul was meaning his mother, he would have said so, but he said his father's wife. So we, we're not really told whether he was a widower, whether he had been divorced, whether, what the nature of his wife was, whether it was a second wife or whatever. The fact is, it was incest. And, and, even, and, and Judaism had very high moral codes in the day, um, but even the Romans had a law against exactly this. So, what, what kind of blindness can come upon the collective intellect and the collective spirit of a people that we, we can condone this? Now, isn't, isn't this our world? Isn't that, this the kind of tension spot we find ourselves in so constantly? trying to figure out. We have a high word, a high bar to live by. We believe that the Lord has given us the way of life for, that will bring wholeness to our lives, will lift our spirits and we're living in a world which is confronting those very moral values that we have, our attitudes which we believe are founded in the word of God and it's being confronted at every turn and, and like we find ourselves more and more to the fringe of common thought. And how do we factor that in? And then within the church, and this is where Paul is talking. He is talking to the church and our behaviours, or if you like the Corinthian church's attitudes about this high sin. It's not really fashionable today in this age of individualism, but discipline 
is really a way of life for the follower of Jesus. And, and you'll find it's not confined to that. Uh, people who are serious about their faith will apply and, and take on board themselves disciplines. I sometimes think of it as being bindings. You know, uh, we become bound in a sense to our Lord and to his purpose. And, and because we have choice, we bind ourselves. Uh, and we can think of, of many rituals around the world, religious rituals, you know, in some lands they will, they will bow down to a cow. You know, they will make way for a, a, an animal. Uh, this carries religious import, importance for them. Um, people will, will use physical bindings on them uh, to, to represent certain religious truths for them. We take on some disciplines and we can't live in the world without discipline and, and stay away from being of the world because our natural place is being of the world, being human, being part of the human race. We had a person in, in one place just as we were coming into which they, he was living with a woman and um, we we came into a scenario, we didn't actually get to deal with this ourselves because we just arrived and they just left. But there had been a situation where we had, as a church, had collectively kind of allowed this situation to be that somebody who was actually in, in a, a kind of a secondary leadership position and a person of influence and because of their talent we condoned the, the, what we would consider to be a, a not appropriate way of living. And we didn't apply discipline um, and it was a situation that really in the world is no big deal anymore, is it? The, Am- the Amish have a kind of a way, you know, we've seen the movies with the shunning you know, where people shun people who have, who have stepped over the line in some way, they'd physically turn their backs on them, they would no longer speak to them. You go with some of the movies I've seen and I guess, you know, I didn't go into intense research because I guess that's kind of a reputation and we can all do this. You know, they used to talk about sending somebody to Coventry. You remember that old saying? That was code for they are cut off, they are set outside uh, and I guess you could research that as to where that saying came from. That can be fun, can't it? But that sense of, of turning, and, and it feels so bad for us. How can you do that? You know, how can you um, shun people? How can you turn your backs on people? How can you cut them out? And yet this is what Paul is asking us to, to seriously do as, a, as an act of discipline for them. And, and from what I could glean from, from readings and things, because... We live in an age of grace and this is our problem. This is part of this tension point, isn't it? And, and somebody's put it quite well in the sense that putting a person out expresses the reality that sin... Uh, we're talking about a person here who's 
living it with persistent sin. It's not a not a momentary failure. It's this is something where somebody has taken a course of action which sets them outside the will of God and puts them under, if you like, judgment, his judgment, according to his word. However, we may discern that. But we, we with all of our, our prayerful intent, come to a point where we believe what the Lord is saying and therefore being prepared to stand with God and align ourselves as an act of obedience to him in the application of his law. Would we, if we put somebody out of the fellowship, cut that person off from our prayers, our intercessory prayers for them? I wouldn't think so. But when we're far from God, there's a difference in our lives. We've lost something. And, and, and here Paul is saying to Corinthian church, under God, I believe you need to put that person out of the fellowship remove from him the the benefits of fellowship, the blessing of being with the brothers and sisters and being in worship and, uh, you, you know, that kind of darkness that comes when within here is expressed in an outward way. And, and it, it, it has blessing then as we obey the Lord in how he's leading us and, and this is an imperfect science for us as humans, isn't it? But the blessing that comes is that we are authentic that we keep ourselves where the Lord wants us to be, pure and blameless in standing in our world. At least they know what we stand for. At least people outside would know that if they want to see Jesus, would they see Jesus taking on his father's wife into a, 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 a marriage relationship? Well, no, we wouldn't see Jesus doing that, wouldn't, would we? It's interesting how even people that don't follow Jesus have a pretty reasonable radar when it comes to his people overstepping the mark. They could behave exactly the same way, yet they'll point the finger at, at our failings. How dare you? You're, you're the church. You're, you're a reverend. You, 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 you know, you're religious. How can you behave like that? Let's go on. Verse 6. You're boasting, and, and this is Paul's big problem here with the Corinthian church over this. It's, it's not so much the nature of that person's sin it needs to be put out of the fellowship, but verse 6, your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast that you may be a new batch without yeast as you really are. For Christ our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Therefore let us keep the festival not with the old yeast, hang with me here, the yeast of the malice and wickedness but with bread without yeast, the bread of sincerity and truth. Okay, we know that we need yeast to make the bread rise. And we've had some conversation in leadership about the nature of the bread we use in our communion and, and what is, is, is a suitable way of fully expressing the nature of the communion bread, for example, which in its original form was unleavened, so it's kind of flattened and, and it didn't, didn't rise. But isn't it interesting? Don't you see it happen in your own life? I, yeah, oh yeah, that's there. Um, a little yeast can affect the whole batch of dough after a while 
And, and um, come back, come back. And that thing that was um, once considered good, you know, is now considered not so good. That thing that was, um, I had better words written down. Uh, that thing that was that we once would say was wrong, morally wrong or or incorrect, um, is over time has become actually commonplace and acceptable. And it's like, well, um, let me just find this. Come back here. Come on. Yep. I think I'll go back to printing it. I'm still getting the printers to work. <laughs> so, the let me let me just reposition. One of the things I find about this, and let me read this again. I want to go to verse nine. I've written you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. Not at all meaning. I hear this not all meaning the people of this world who are immoral or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters. Paul's not meaning don't associate with them. In that case, you would have to leave this world. Here we go. If you were to withdraw your association with the immoral and, <laughs> and idolaters or, or swindlers or greedy people. Or, well, the reality is, well, you'd have to drop out of society. How can you do that? You've got to be in the world. But now I'm writing to you in verse 11 that you must not associate with anyone who calls himself a brother but is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater or a slanderer, a drunkard or a swindler. With such a man, do not even eat. What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. Expel the wicked man from among you. Well, that's a great relief. That is a great relief. I don't have to be the sin police. I don't have to sit in judgement over my world. Isn't that fantastic? Don't you reckon? There's going to be laws changed that are going to change the way we do marriage. It will happen. Life is in cycles, ebb and flow. The world that Paul is writing into is our world today. And, and it's, it's like unbelievable some of the stuff and the carry-on that's going on and some of the views that are now becoming commonly held. The world is, gonna, is like this. It's going to be shifting all over the place. The Lord calls us to be over and above all of that and, and to live our lives according to what he has designed for us. And, and in a sense, it doesn't matter really what, what's going on around us because we're ready for any possibility, any outcome. I don't have to sit in judgement. I don't have to withdraw from people. I don't have to be a wet blanket. I don't have to be a party pooper. I can be myself. Now, there are going to be some things that we will not go to. There are going to be some things 
activities that we will not be a part of, obviously. But we do what we can and we be where we, where we can in order that we can declare what we can of, of the life in, in God. Uh, that embracing our world and, and being uh, real. I, I kind of find it hard because I was raised in a Christian culture. So, I, you know, when I used to do the pubs, for example, as a Salvation Army officer, I found that kind of awkward to walk into the pubs. It wasn't my idea of spending a great Friday night. But once I got in and got going and if I could start talking with people, I loved it. You know, I was a useless pub collector because my partner would wind up doing the whole pub while I was talking with somebody still. <laughs> you know, I wasn't doing my share. I wasn't working the room. I'd wind up sticking with the first or second table. I loved that and I'd be there... F- till dawn if I needed to be, you know, but just the, the culture and, and kind of not easy for me um, to, to, to be that. But you know, it is an issue for God what the neighbours think. What will our kids think? If we allow this kind of attitude start to become commonplace within us, what's the next thing? You know, when sin in others is actually condoned, we actually give them permission for everybody else with their particular thing, whatever it is that they may be grappling with. And so, this is within the body. And, and there's that merry dance again. So, how do we keep ourselves authentic? How, how do we keep ourselves in a place that honestly reflects Jesus to our world without compromise? And, and without withdrawing, on the other hand, we do what we can. We bear witness. We be on display. We are on display in the world. Not of it, for a better way of living. When it comes to the crunch, and crunches do come for everyone, who will they call? Where will they go to? Where's the rock in their world? You might be that rock. You might be that voice of common sense, that wisdom, the same kind of response to the masses when they heard Jesus with the Sermon on the Mount and they said they marvelled at him because he spoke as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And that's not a put down for the religious leaders of the day. This was the divine word. It was unencumbered by all the stuff that had become part of religious life in Judaism and with the religious leaders. And, and so what, what's coming out of their mouth is not carrying the direct authority of the Lord God. We carry that direct authority. Just by showing up, just by being in, in our world and connecting with people, there's something in our bearing, I believe, that will touch the spirit in them. There may have been seeds of faith planted over the years, raised by a godly parent or, or encountered a friend who is a, religious, a, a committed Christian, a bit crazy, but still there's something about that person. There's a peace in them. There's a satisfaction in them. There's a, a poise about them. There's actually a kind of a, a, an authority about them that when they, when they say such a say, you know, when they offer some advice or some counsel or something, it comes with some undefinable, almost indiscernible stamp of authority because the truth of the ages, the Lord's truth is from the very beginning through to the very end of which there is none. There is no beginning and there is no end. He never changes. And 
surely there's something in that in the heartbeat of the person who has lost fellowship with God, who is out of relationship with him, but because he, he or she is an image bearer of God as he was created to be in the very beginning, something speaks. People, it might be conscience. It, it, the Holy Spirit might be working on them and stirring something up is the most powerful thing and that's why it's so important that we protect it. The thing about Jesus, as he went about being in the world, he was a magnet, was he not? He was a magnet for people and that's the confidence that we can take with us into our world. So in our efforts to set ourselves tight and, and confined in a sense and take on the bindings that God would place on us, the yoke, if you like, that he would have us, put down your burdens and take my yoke for as light and easy to bear. You live my life, you, you live my life, you, you won't believe how much better it will be to bear my yoke than your burdens, than your life lived your way and, and to be able to impact people Verse 11 says, But now I'm writing you that you must not associate with anyone who calls himself a brother, but is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater or a slanderer, a drunkard or a swindler. With such a man do not even eat. The word must or must not or don't is not fashionable, is it? You, you know, we... we we were raised, many of us, in a thou shalt not world, but we're living in a world today is please consider. You know, we, there, there's no absolutes in our, in our world, worldly kind of thinking. Everything is up for debate. But here Paul, he uses the strongest, in the original language, he uses the strongest word that you can come up with when, when he says must not associate. It is far too important. It has eternal consequences. There's a basic law in the cosmos. The more like Jesus we can become, the purer the bride of Christ is, the higher the kingdom impact. It's a basic law of, of the cosmos. It will never change. The more like Christ we can become, the purer that the bride of Christ is as the people of God the higher the kingdom impact will be. One, in this very rare occasion, one plus one equals two, but it's actually a multiplication effect. Oh boy. If, if we were courageous enough to address each other, to, to hold each other accountable, uh, it, it could be the most powerful, world, literally world-changing uh, Presence in our world that we could be. Let's kind of sit with this for a minute as we draw our thoughts to a close. How do we apply this? You know, um, are, are, we, are we to start going around with each other? And you know, I'm not quite sure. I really like your shirt, Andrew. Got my eye on you. <laughs> See, the thing is about discipline. It's not about uh, different attitudes. It's not about even convictions that we carry. It's 
It's about um, sin. It's about sin. <clears throat> and, and in a world which is seeking to normalise sin on so many fronts, when our heart would be saying, oh, I just wish I could go with the crowd, it would be so much easier. The Lord is calling us to be able to stand firm, to call it for what it is, to provide a framework on which we can build a, a, an authentic Christian witness. So, in our own life, we might make some choices about who we spend time with or who we allow to have spiritual influence in. There might be folks that we would see not so much as a brother or sister in the faith um, but as one who might be a God-fearer who is on a journey to faith or, or there is someone that needs us to be able to be a path for healing and restoration for them rather than submitting ourselves to their kind of influence. Who's affecting who? Where's the balance swinging? And, and to, to, rem, to remember that we too could find ourselves subtly crossing over and becoming more of the world than in the world. And it might require some fairly savage surgery in our hearts and in our attitudes, our framework for thinking. Is it really that bad to go online and, and check out pornography? You know, is it really so commonplace? They've got, they're making a movie out of that book, Fifty Shades of Grey, which became like common. It was like buying a novel. You can get it on, you know, I checked out the price. You could get it at Target. The whole three, cheap, you know. Didn't buy it. But, you know, um, they were talking about it in the media as though, well, this is common. And now they're making a movie of it. And, and, and before long you can go, you, your mind starts to start to accept things and you're redrawing your own boundaries, you know, and saying, well, it's okay. This stuff is the way of life. Um, and yet we know that if we allow it in, before long that yeast will affect the whole dough and before long you'll find you know, perhaps that, that the way that I view life, uh, my relationships start to fray and, and spoil and on so many different fronts we're confronted. Is this a moment where I'm actually going to embrace the world and be of it? Or is there a way that I can somehow be in there being for Jesus and being a light in a dark place and allowing him to, to speak his truth into their spirit? <laughs> Let's pray. Lord, this is, really, this is really tough because we see it come at us from a couple of levels. Yes, how then should we now live? Each one of us individually uh, are in that swing between being of and, and being in. It's a constant tension point for us. And, and very often we as a church and as a fellowship, as a collective, are being challenged to readjust our thinking and our boundary markers in order to be more inclusive 
in, in order to be more welcoming and, and in theory to, to help us be more relevant so that we can reach out more effectively to people. There's so much that we could talk about in even just these few verses. However, to keep to the main point this morning, Lord, we don't ever want to go too far and we don't want to ever succumb to pride within our personal achievements, Lord, such that we lose sight of the realities around us and that which it is doing to us as we seek to be authentic, to walk out the life of Jesus before our peers our friends, our families, our our neighbourhood. And Lord, help us as a people together to hold each other accountable. Help us to get good at at being able to, uh, to challenge and confront that which in us may be uh, a step too far. Help us to keep each other in sweet communion with you. And, and, and to do so with that grace that you apply that we are fellow journeymen in this world and in this travel. And so, Lord, we commit our ways to you. May we be a people and, and made through this coming week. Whoever we encounter, whatever we do, wherever we find ourselves, may we be the light And may our light not be dimmed. Give us wisdom to know how to be that people, Lord. And to love those that you send across our paths with the love of Christ. To give them welcome and grace and and uplift in their spirit because they've come into the orbit of your living word, alive in us as we with grace and love and mercy counsel each other and strive with each other that we may all be uh, like Christ. We are unique in the world, Lord, with a divine purpose that you've given to each one of us And, and we seek to bear that faithfully with great humility for you have given this, you have crafted this purpose for us, for us. We would want to keep faith, Lord. Part us with your blessing, we pray, in the name of Jesus. Journey with us through this week, Lord, we ask. Amen. Amen.